Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Kate McKenzie and today we are talking clean language with Wendy Sullivan and Paul Field. I am studying clean at the moment and I find it really enlightening to consider being much more with someone else's world and be much more available and much more listening to their metaphors, their visions, their words, their feelings, emotions and senses. And so this is a a chat uh, with Paul and Wendy about clean, where it came from, how it came about, how it got developed and how you might think of using it. I'm really loving it. Um, I find it very, very deep, you know, as I can often think I might know answers for people when actually all the answers are inside that other person and given the right questions, they can find them. So I really hope you enjoy this and uh, wishing you all well. Thank you. Welcome, Wendy, and welcome, Paul, and thank you so much for being with me today. And obviously, I'm over the moon and thrilled because I am studying with you both, which is just very exciting. And I'm studying clean language um, and all the many, many layers of clean language. So you've uh, honoured me with uh, coming and talking about clean today. And so I'm going to ask you both about how you came to clean. And I'd love to start with you, Wendy, if that's okay. It actually happened completely by chance. I was at um, a conference and I just randomly chose to go to a session that featured clean language and metaphor. I didn't have a clue about it. Um, And by the end of that um, presentation, which was probably three hours long at the most, um, I was quite clear that you know, I needed to do a whole lot more of this because I I could feel physically that I had accessed information about myself that was of a completely different quality to anything I'd come across before. And it's not like I'd been sitting in a cave doing nothing before. You know, I'd, I'd done a whole bunch of personal development and so on. Um, the thing that was the real um, convincer for me was that my husband at the time was at the same conference, but he had gone to another presentation. So when I met up with him after this presentation, I was very excited about it, telling him all about this metaphor of mine that I'd come across, which was of a lighthouse. And um, he was just being lighthearted. That's that's all that was going on. And I knew that he was just being lighthearted. But he said to me, oh, a lighthouse, you know, the way the light kind of scans across the, the um, environment. So does that mean you can't pay attention to anything for more than just a couple of moments before, you know, your attention somewhere else? And I absolutely knew that he was just playing around and joking. But inside me, I had this huge sort of um, energy coming together for me to take my hand back and hit him or or punch him as hard as I possibly could. And I was married to him for more than 30 years and didn't at any other point ever have that response to him. 
which is why I say this, you know, this uh, clean language was getting to um, a quality of information that I'd never encountered before. So was, um, what was that like then? You felt, because some people speak about metaphors touching the soul, if if you don't mind that language. Did it feel like this is like a, something essential, as essence to you that he was being playful with and don't don't play with my s something like that what was what was that like it's it was sort of like that it was as though um this went to um the, the words i would probably use would be it went to the heart of me um and um and to something that i was holding at kind of an identity level um and you know human beings don't um willingly or nilly-willy um, uh, kind of give up on their identity. It's, it has to be really important to, yeah. to hang on to it because without your identity, who are you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very big change to make if, if you um, change your identity. So, so it was kind of, this is, this is really central to me and, um, it's not for messing around with. Mm. It was essential. It was an yeah. essential part of you. And Wendy, uh, you you carried on and carried on and worked with David Grove. So, how did that happen? And David Grove um, was the counselling psychologist who developed clean language, and. Um, uh, the people who'd run the presentation I went to, Penny Tompkins and James Lawley, were doing a huge project to work out what exactly it was that David Grove was doing. David didn't ever hang about to do good, clear explanations to people of what he was doing. He was always chasing the next um, advance and um, and so on in in the um in his journey of um working more effectively with people so penny and james were laboriously attending um trainings and sessions that that david ran and um modeling making a mental model of how he was doing what he was doing um so having seen them at this presentation and them living in the uk they were the logical people for me to study with and then, as I say, they were in close contact with David. Um, and David um, uh, took to um, phoning Penny up and saying, I'll be in the UK tomorrow. Get a group of people together for for playing with my latest stuff. And so Penny and everyone else who was involved in the field would kind of sigh a little at the fact they were having to cancel all their arrangements for the next day. But everyone got on and did it because it was, you know, such an exciting thing to be there, the birth of new clean related stuff. And so um, uh, it was in those little groups that I first encountered David. And um, how did it come about? I'm going to come to you, Paul, in a minute, if that's okay. And But, but is that right? I'll stay with Wendy for a moment. It, how did it come about? How did David Grove come about this this development? In a sort of a way, I think one could say it was all a great big accident. 
he was apparently, I didn't know him at the time, but he was working as um, a management consultant um, early on in his career. And he had signed up for a training, I think a business-related training. And when he turned up on the day at what was presumably some sort of training center, the training that he came to be on was canceled or there'd been an administrative error or something. Um, and I think, and it would have been typical David, he kind of looked about at what else was on and thought, oh, I'll go to that. And it was some sort of psychotherapy training. Um, and uh, so from that start, he landed up working as a counseling psychologist and uh, was working with people who'd suffered trauma. So children or adults who had suffered trauma as children, um, you know, sexual assaults and whatnot. Um, and um, people like... Um, uh, soldiers from the Vietnam War who um, had uh, been traumatized by the experience and were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and the likes. Anyway, David um, discovered that something that was in vogue at the time of getting people to relive their traumatic experiences as a, a way of um, helping them heal um, unfortunately had a tendency to re-traumatize any number of people and um and he noticed because he was good at noticing um that if he didn't ask them to relive the experience he just asked them questions about the metaphors that they spontaneously used um uh, in their sessions um, when talking about what had happened and what they what they wanted in the way of um, you know the rest of their lives, if he used their metaphors and he kept all his ideas out, just got them exploring their metaphors, that that truly did help them to heal and move on. And so, again, being the kind of man he was, he got more extreme. He started to zealously remove all his assumptions, all his judgments, all his own words, all his metaphors, um, so that until he was left with just a small um, number of questions that had next to no assumptions in them and that could be used an, a huge amount of the time, no matter what the client said, and that would have the effect of helping them to process what was going on for them still more deeply. Um, and and those are the clean language questions. Um, and I suppose the rest is history. He was recognized was he, as being very innovative. Was he in America? Uh, he, yeah, he, um, for a time, he had um, therapy center in America. In fact, I think at some point he had two. Um, uh, and he spent, you know, quite a lot of time living in America, but he was actually half Maori. So the whole oral tradition, which I think also has a bearing on how clean language is. Um, and he, in the later part of his life, he was traveling around um, from uh, between the States, the UK, France, um, Australia, New Zealand, 
um, you know, spending some time doing presentations to professionals, um, training, um, lots of um, innovation and developing of of uh, related ways of working uh, and related to the, clean. What was the Maori oral input that you recognize? What was that part, the Maori part? Well, for example, clean language. Um, as as practiced by David, um, has a very um, rhythmic kind of a delivery to the questions, um, and and David certainly um, made some choices as to the wording of some of the clean questions, based on how rhythmically that question could be delivered. Um, he also um, was able to remember. The, the metaphors that people came up with for literally years after he had worked with them. And that's not people where he was working with them week in and week out for a long time. He'd do little uh, sort of weekend long sessions with maybe 10 people, him facilitating each of them in turn for maybe half an hour, three quarters of an hour, you know, round and round people got a number of um, little sessions in the weekend. Um, and I saw him meet one of those people years afterwards. Um, he didn't remember them at all um, visually, but he said, what was your metaphor on that weekend um, personal journey years ago? And the, the person gave just a sentence or two, and David absolutely remembered it and could bring things from it into the session that he did something like three, four years later then with the same person. So, you know, that being able to hold on to um, what he had heard. Very um, deep, very yeah. deep. Yeah. And uh, Wendy, did you go on to work with him and train with him or did you did you develop workshops to after him? What, what happened? Um, I think probably the answer is all of the above. Um, so I was part of this little group that met to play around with new stuff that he developed. So in in a sense, that was being trained by him. Um, uh, he and I um, ran a training together um, at, uh, at some point um, along the way. And uh, and he was keen at that point to do more training, but he was working with different timelines from me and wanted to do the, this an, a training within kind of, I don't know, three weeks of, of it being proposed. And I was holding out for six weeks in order to be able to do something resembling marketing. Um, and unfortunately, um, he uh, passed away before we'd done any more training. He was unwell? Completely was... unexpected heart attack. Oh. Um, in when he was in the states. Oh. Um, so that must have been very shocking. It was shocking. It was completely shocking. Though, when one realised that he was leading a kind of peripatetic life, to, you know, wandering about the universe, it will be, I think, pretty much guaranteed that he didn't have a consistent relationship with a doctor who was, you know, monitoring his health or whatever. Um, right. 
which I suppose is a risky thing. Yeah. And he was, I think he was around 57 years old, if I remember correctly. You know, it's not like anyone could have predicted that or, or thought that he ought to be under careful supervision. No. So far as I'm aware. So then, Wendy, you've carried on and uh, you've written a book or maybe I don't know if you've written more books, but uh, you've 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 kept you've kept his work going. Oh, you know, that makes it sound like um, the great Wendy, you know, the the continuer of the David Grove legacy. Um, I don't think um, that's quite how it is. You know, people rallied around at the point that um, he had died. And um, uh, so there are people very actively working, using David's stuff in France and here and um, in the States and, um, well, all over the place. You know, he, he, when he appeared on the scene, people... Uh, arranged to come and hear him yeah makes um, sense so so i'm one of of um, a number of people who've um, carried on having known him um and and it is exciting times because this is all pretty recent there's still a lot of innovating going on a lot of kind of uh, realizing the potential of clean language and I think the latest clean book is um, this one, Clean Language Interviewing. Is that, um, that, who's that by? That's uh, three editors, James Lawley, who I've mentioned, um, uh, Heather Kensley and Paul Tozy, who, who are all um, involved in the field. Heather Kensley uh, recently um, was awarded a PhD in which she used clean language as her interviewing method to get to the truth of what goes on for leaders. She she um, interviewed um, a large number of CEOs um, to find out about their metaphors for leading and so on. Um, so so th that's the new thing that um, clean language is now an established uh, accepted way for even PhD students to um, conduct their interviews wow. where where they're wanting to get to someone's truth. Now, um, Wendy, I was going to ask you, why, where did the word clean come from? And Paul, I'm going to come to you. I'm sorry, I'm going to come to you in a minute, Paul. It's going to lead. What, where does clean come from, the word? I'm, I'm actually not sure. Um, I think in the first instance, as I understand it, I think David called his work metaphor therapy in the first initially, um, and I'm not sure when or where clean arose. It's it's been the accepted name um, from when I first got involved in it, which was I think about 1997ish or so. Um, but I'm not sure if it was David or or someone closely related to him mm -hmm. who first coined it mm. um, he certainly used it um, later on um, mm. in his life and then Wendy I, I, I might come to Paul now just and then and then talk with you both but thank you Wendy brilliant brilliant and Paul 
Now, obviously, I'm learning with you and Wendy, and I'm seeing the huge and expansive developments with that I'm experiencing with the training both you are delivering. So, Paul, how did you come to clean? It's a really good question that I don't actually know I know the answer to. Um, I think I came to it in some ways through coming to coaching. So I, I was um, working in business. I'm, my experience of first running a team was um, I was in IT. So my, my experience was to go, how do I look after these people? Which was unusual because in IT um, and the kind of industry I was in, most people were like, excellent, I've got people to give jobs to. How do I make them work harder? So I, I was an a, a unusual manager, to say the least. Um, but I thought, well, what do I do? And I went and found various coaching tools, which were incredibly useful. And I think one of the things, uh, as I was reflecting on this, um, it, it really decided to teach me how different everyone was. So actually, when I did, if you really are thinking, well, how do I look after someone in this context? How do I show an interest in their career? Um, you have to ask questions. And if you start asking questions, you realize people are really, really different. And the conversations you have are really, really different. Um, and that's actually amazing for the people on the other end of it because they, they end up having the conversation they would like to have in the style they would like to have. But uh, on your side as a manager or practitioner, you've suddenly got to get very versatile and very good at flexing your style. Um, and I, As Wendy was talking, um, just one little thing popped into my head. I had a member of my team, uh, he came from an arts background and Initially, we had a lot of trouble communicating. I'd say things and he just it just didn't land. It's just you'd say the words, but the other person just wasn't getting what you were saying. And he, he one day said something about doodling. And I said, well, why don't you just doodle while we're talking? So he did. So he just had this piece of paper. And as we were talking, he'd just be making marks on it. I've got of nothing in particular, as far as I know. And almost magically, we started being able to talk to each other. And I, I can't even explain to you how that works, but it's something unique in how how you know he he was and worked in the world that because we were actually paying attention to each other and be and were interested in each other, we could work out that that might be a thing. And you know, and because it's very, I guess I've got a very accepting style. So it's like, well, let's try something then. You know, a kind of innovative, experimental. Let's try something. Let's accept that's how you are. Let's try it. Yeah, we we discovered it um and in various ways it's like that with lots of people so i think that probably gives you as a, a sense of wh where i started but um it's probably got two threads because one's you know as a as, as a practitioner as someone using some some of these techniques with other people but some's you know me receiving because i i'd done some you know been working on my own personal development so I'd also been on the receiving end of lots of these coaching and therapy type of techniques, and which is all useful, but it, it did quite often jar, or, or you know, I'd sometimes come away with something not being quite right for me. So I think all that was in the mix. And I, I definitely heard of Clean. I couldn't tell you where I first heard of it. And I do remember someone in business talking to me about how they were using it like understand their like their customers and stakeholders and what they really wanted so a bit like the clean interviewing Wendy's talking about but this was years ago um so I, 
I really can't tell you. I didn't like go to a conference session and there was an aha moment. It wasn't anything like that. It was somehow it was in the air and and somehow there was a knowing in me, something I must have read that kind of said, oh, this this somehow feels right. There's something about this that is resonating in me. So I, I don't I don't think I even knew Wendy. And this has happened to me a few times. There's been that knowing. So when the time was right, it's like, okay, I'm going to go and learn clean. Found, found Wendy. I'll go and do the course. I don't quite know what I'm getting myself into, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and it, it turned out, so the interesting question might be more, why did I stay with clean? Uh, and I think partly, that, I mean, I think that resonance was true. So what clean is amazing at is um, just really, it's almost a sense for you as a practitioner, you don't know. I think that's what's really unusual, that the smartest person in the room is the client and that somehow or another they can come up with their own solutions and your job is really to help them notice the things they need to notice in order to come up with their own solutions. So it's kind of got a real mix of being um, really kind of accepting um really quite often surprising and innovative is a word that keeps coming up today because your clients do all kinds of interesting things you were, you could never have imagined them doing. Mm. Um, and you do still have to be a bit clever because you have to work out well, what might be, where aren't they paying attention that it would help them if they were. Um, so I think intellectually it can get really interesting, but at the same time you're having to learn to be really curious and in the state of not knowing with your clients which is I think really just suits my style uh, I think also Wendy's amazing she kind of embodies I think it really embodies what clean's about we quite often in clean there's this sense of like removing everything so you take try and take out all the assumptions all the judgments and down to really micro levels of assumptions um, it's almost as if there's nothing left there's just the client and their stuff whatever they're working on and you know as they work with it they get more insights and learning and you know then come up with solutions and then things change but actually there is something you're bringing in to the room i think as a practitioner which is is this sort of curiosity but also real caring and i think wendy's got this amazing ability to um really bring out what's what's good in people through I think just through using clean and I think that really resonates with exactly what I was also doing on the with my team so she certainly brought out the best in me I noticed that Paul that you if it's all right to say this yeah. it's a real pleasure for me to watch you and Wendy interact there it seems like a real natural frisson humor delight pleasure and teasing in the most marvelous marvelous way which which is like you call it a bounce when we do a dance but your those interactions with you and wendy create a bounce in for me like they they, they it's like a little cleanup or a little sweetness something gets a little playfulness comes in and it it really does something to the energy for me I wondered about that because you're speaking. Yeah, what's that like for you? Uh, I think it's well, it's brilliant. I think um, one of the actually what, what I was going to 
say about clean, I think this is connected to it. I, I realized as I went along a long, long time after and doing clean and having receiving clean, a lot of what hadn't jarred or been difficult for me is I had a real sense of like not being allowed to be me as like actually what was underpinning a lot of stuff going on. And one of the things in clean is you can really, if your practitioner is good, you're really allowed to be you. Like ev everything pretty much is welcome. You know, as long as you're not going to assault the therapist or something. Um, and I think that's what's happening, happens with the, the training. So for a start, we're really keen on um, anyone who comes to our training being themselves, like bringing, well, what do they bring? They, we know they bring things that are you know, other modalities, their experience, their knowledge. So we know we're not the smartest people in the room when it comes to all the things they know. So then it's kind of becomes a co-creation. And I think that's what brings a, an, an energy when you're open to that. And um, so I think with finding clean, it means I, you know, I've got a playful nature. I've a lot of the time uh, innovative, I like to think. And so it's, it's really brought that out, but then we bring that out with each other. I think hopefully we bring out those kind of qualities, but also, yeah, well, it's cause not everyone's playful, not everyone's innovative, that's fine, but there'll be other things, probably things we're not so good at. So then you're just in this amazing, um, environment where people are bringing these great qualities of themselves that perhaps they didn't feel they could no that's so lovely paul i mean i really enjoy it immensely when i see you and wendy interact in the ways that you do which is really it's like a, a little harold lloyd movie you do these for me little kind of inter, little these funny humorous wonderful interactions but what i'm realizing if you're if you feel like you're saying this you're modeling you're modeling being yourselves and being playful to to the group. There's a modeling maybe of uh, we can be us and it's okay to be who you are, who, however that is. Maybe there's a modeling of being free to be more. You, I don't know if that's what you're saying, but I, I think there's a subtle thing that it's not because this isn't intentional. I think it's just we enjoy it more. I think for and, you know, it may not be everyone's cup of tea that's fine but for the people it is it I think it creates a space where it's like because sometimes it's hard work actually learning some of these techniques you know and clean in particular it goes, it gets really really deep on the surface it looks simple like there's 12 questions or so think well, how hard is it to ask a few questions but it's all about what you're noticing so some of it can be can be quite hard work doing the practice so Actually, if you're going to come into a place where it feels really supportive and fun and, you know, you're, you're allowed to make mistakes, you're allowed to be yourself, actually the hard work quite often doesn't seem like hard work anymore. That's a really nice way of putting it because this is the thing uh, is that, you know, I told uh, a colleague about uh, Clean and how I'm, I'm a fan, I'm passionate about it. And then she kind of, you know, understandably said, so, you know, you must be re you must be really clean as in you must be doing this. And I immediately went, no, no, I'm I'm learning, you know, <laughs> because it feels like that. It's a simple method, but it's not easy. It's it's very in depth. It's it's it, it's very multidimensional to do it well and thoughtful and considered to do it well. Yeah, it's yeah well, actually, I think that's be clear before we put everyone off who's listening because <laughs> I said hard work yes, at, at some levels it's, it is really easy so I do some yeah. things in business you know yeah. I, I, in an hour 
I could teach people a couple of techniques and clean like about listening and they'll go and be more effective in meetings yeah like, re really simple you know give, give me because I, I did a, a little sort of six session thing in business for people who are super busy doing other jobs not really interested in coaching but they did want to be a bit more effective and they were open to sort of this kind of being a bit oriented towards people and a bit curious so they don't have to be squeaky clean or anything like that what they but you give them some of the listening skills we know a couple of really good questions a couple of things to be like listening for um you know re really um uh, what's a really obvious one is listen for what's the most important word in the meeting that's really ambiguous so people will be saying well if we want this new it system it's got to be better and then everyone's talking and yeah, if you're sitting there thinking i don't think anyone here knows what better really means then so that's the thing you're you're not you're, you're doing the noticing so for ambiguity and that that's a really vital word around here and then use a clean question which looks really simple which is what kind of so if you can yeah, even if you're not chairing the meeting, you just pipe up and say, this, this, this better. What, what kind of better is that better? And people will answer the question. But immediately, everyone in the room is starting to go, well, we went faster. Okay, faster? What kind of faster? It's got to be at least three times as fast as the old system. Ah, oh, okay. So two questions that look like nothing. No one will pay much attention to the fact you asked them suddenly everyone in the room is much more focused on what they need to be focused on so that that's a really simple business application i can you know, teach people in an hour or two and yes. makes a difference yeah. but as you, you see lots of it's to do with what you're noticing and asking yeah. the question so so when we say the hard work this is to do with how do you get to the point where any kind of person with almost any kind of problem could come into a room with you and you know you're going to somehow be able to notice into what they're saying to find out you know in, in the actually I've, I've got a client who quite often talks at me for about 15 minutes when we start and what i'm doing is listening really carefully and going okay what what is it that's really important to them here what is it that's resourceful are my key things because uh because actually she's not no well, there's a com complex thing she, she's uh, not very geared up to saying what she would like it's one of the big problems so you can't even get a coaching outcome with her. Um, but if I do that, and then I ask a few questions about things that are really resourceful and a couple of things about you know, what else seem to be important, somehow her attention is not there on the right thing. And she'll, she'll almost start running the process herself. Like, yeah, okay, that, oh, that was about, you know, something that happened in my childhood. And, um, and she's kind of off. Um, but it takes a lot of practice to be able to, you know, listen for quite a long time, pick out, you know, what are likely to be, because you never know for sure, what are likely to be some key pieces or particularly resourceful things that are relevant. Ask a couple of questions to get someone's attention on it. That, so, so when we say the hard work, it's just le learning all that kind of listening. And, and the thing is, it doesn't look like you're doing anything <laughs> at the end either. But there what you go. brought you both to so Wendy? I imagine you were already. I don't know. How did you both come together to do to train and set up what you're setting up? How did that? How did that all come about? Uh, that probably comes from me, doesn't it? So, well, I trained with Wendy. I thought, well, this is 
this is amazing. I think partly because clean really resonated for me. And, you know, I love how Wendy trains. But Wendy's also quite good at, oh, and then I did the advanced modules. So we do, we do some training that's like gets you to be um, the stage where you can say, run a session like as a coach or a therapist. Obviously, you can take these things into other places like business or you know, mix with other things you already know. But fundamentally, it's getting you to the point where you could run a session for an hour or so and you'd be a, a, re, a, a really good sort of coach or yeah, mix it with some therapy. So then you can do some advanced things that are taking you up to, you know, a, a more sophisticated level, particularly when people have got some very tricky, difficult to shift kind of problems. So I rendered the advanced modules. Um, then I realized that Wendy and to be honest, me as well, has a habit of putting more stuff in than is probably reasonable for any mere mortal to learn because we we kind of like people to know things <laughs> so i'm gonna have to do these again because i got a lot from it and there was a lot i didn't get from it so i came back and um assisted uh, and then i think wendy's quite good at saying well, you know may maybe you could present some of you know one piece of this so and i'd already done some training in my business uh world uh, and I was also coming up with little ideas for improving the training. And again, rather than being, no, this is my training and you shall not change it because, you know, what do you know, mere student? Wendy's always very good at listening and uh, saying, oh, yeah, that is actually a really good idea. Let, let's do something with that. So I think I, I felt very encouraged. Um, and Wendy did not know probably what she was starting with that. So by the time I'd been through the advanced modules, I was starting to have more and more ideas about things we could do in clean. Um, so assisting started to turn into things that looks more like co-training. Uh, yeah, and it's really enjoyable to do. So that's another reason. So I was always learning in every role. Even if you revisit the training and you're teaching it, then you learn a load more. And the participants are different. And they ask different questions, so you learn a lot more. Um, but yeah, then I started having ideas. For, hmm, hang on a minute. There's that other areas that sort of in clean but we haven't really developed that well um and then you know we started investigating those you know th things to do with how you work with the body some somatic type of work how you work with um, what people call parts so like when when someone says oh yeah part of me uh, wants to get up and go to the gym but part of me would like to lay in bed this morning this is if there were two people or two forces again it was it was all in clean but not not very well unpacked to teach people how to do it well so we did a lot of things around that to create um new courses and it's just always it's always huge fun so it's huge fun working together it's always huge fun you know with participants coming on the training and then it's always hugely interesting with clients because everyone's unique and you know you have no idea it, like sessions just look completely different to each other because you're not you're not doing something to someone you know your standard tool that you always do to someone you're like entering into this creative space together um to help someone discover more about themselves and discover their own solutions so you, it's endlessly fascinating mm. and so wendy how is this for you now it now you and books and interviews and advanced courses and uh, courses that people can start on and trainings and clients and the world of clean seems to be 
at least the world I'm hearing from your world, but obviously, like you said, there are other clean people in the world as well. It, there's this expansion. How is this for you? And you know, this marvelous. You've got an app. You've got a you've got a whole web thing with all the videos and all. The, how is this all this growing, expanding? What's that like for you? It's fantastic. I mean, um, yeah. We believe in the stuff that we are uh, training and working on, and so uh, it it holds in that you know the more people you have access to it, the better. Whether it's directly through us or through other people in the field, they jolly good skills that can be used to make a very big difference to people. Um, um, and and so it's it's great that it's all developing. Um, on a personal level, to be able to be um, doing the things that Paul and I are doing between us is, you know, it's to die for, to have someone to work with um, who has the quality of ideas that um, Paul has, um, the number of ideas, the speed of actioning the ideas the level of um, techie knowledge, I mean, when, you know, that's sort of, I suppose, I could, um, you know, access from other sources, but um, it, I don't know, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are if it hadn't been for that aspect alone. Um, but for me, you know, I, I quite often land up getting back to the thing that when you've got someone in uh, that you are working with, who can put together um, a sonnet in iambic pentameter, you know, a la Shakespeare, while standing up on the tube, heading for a training first thing in the morning. Um, uh, and, and not just any old kind of a, a sonnet, but one that absolutely nailed a model that he had made up overnight, uh, as you know, a little explanation of a model of, to use in the training, then, you know, really, what more could you possibly want? So what's that like to it's, be in this place? It is, you know, I, I really do often kind of wake up or, or as I'm waiting for the toast to cook or something, think to myself how incredibly uh, lucky I am. And, um, and, yeah, and, and in that lucky, what's that? What's that? I know I'm using a little clean here, but but what's that like to be, you know, that place you could die for, you're in heaven, somebody can write a sonnet uh, that models something with iambic pentameter on the tube on the way to a training, and you wake up every morning and there's these new ideas and expansions and all these things you've been working with are now exponentially, you know, growing. What's that like? Well, um, do you remember the Peanuts um, uh, cartoons um, with the dog Snoopy? <clears throat> when Snoopy was feeling particularly pleased with life, he'd be, he'd, the drawing of him would be sort of above ground level and his feet kind of going round in circles and monster-sized grin on his face. Well, it's like that. That that makes so much sense, doesn't it? That makes so much sense. And 
Wendy, the interesting thing is every time I hear from you or Paul or other people on the course, I keep hearing clean is part of NLP MA, clean is part of, you told me today, uh, somebody, PhD, someone's PhD, you've told me, you know, you've shown a book. I know there are loads of books, clean is part of this, clean is part of that. Can you help me out? It seems to me that clean is this like kind of movement that, that is is growing in appearing in places. And yet if I told a regular person, they may not have heard of it. And yet it's absolutely being taken on board and part of lots of things. Can you help me out what you think? Why is it it's like an emerging movement, part of quite academic things from the, the people on your course that share things? And and related to that is I've I've told lots of people and they can't understand why it's called clean and not clear. Although as I keep going on, my house is cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and I'm decluttering and everything is 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 much neater. So I, I can get the clean now training with clean. I can see how it cleans things up. But can you those two things? One that it seems to be this subtle kind of academic movement. It may not be academic, but people keep telling me, oh, they trained on that course and there was a clean module and they trained on that. Rather, you know, it's not like a, it's like it's a like a river. And then the other piece is, yeah, why clean, not clear? So on the the clean, not clear, I think that one, one can, we can probably address really quickly. In actual fact, there are some um, Dutch clean facilitators. There are clean people all over the place and the clean questions have been translated into, I think about 44 languages, wow. if I'm right. Um, you know, so the, the this river is spreading far and wide. But anyway, um, there's a group of extremely good Dutch clean facilitators and the translation that they use in Dutch is clear and not clean language. So you're right on the money. It's, you know, um, I think it's also one of these things where I think often happens for um, people who initially come up with something and name it, that further down the line, they wish they'd called it something else. Um, I'm not, I didn't ever hear David say that he wished he'd called it something else, but I think, sometimes the nature of the thing um, becomes clearer as time goes by. So I think clear language would be a completely reasonable thing to call it. Mm. Um, but but the general cleaning and clean um, metaphor is that, you know, it's like you've stripped out all your assumptions, you've cleaned what you had to say mm. of all your judgments, um, all your own metaphors. So it is a kind of clean clean up what you're going to say to the other person so that what they um, get is not all covered in your fingerprints and your stuff. Um, it's all pristine and um, they'll receive it, you know, in a very um, seamless kind of a way because it will fit them so mm -hmm. well. Um, so they can keep processing. That may, That's so helpful and maybe both of you what's your thoughts obviously i'm not an expert on clean so maybe you know that clean is is more worldwide known than i know but it's just i keep hearing people talk about academic institution uh, course 
part of that one, part of that. I do wonder whether, Paul, you're going on all these courses. I have to say there's part of me going, there's Paul going around going, why don't you have a module on clean? I don't know. There's a little, there's a little kind of little wonder. Every time I, I meet someone, they go, I did NLP and we had clean as part of NLP. I did this. We had clean as part of that. And I thought, is Paul popping along to all these courses? And there's a little question. So maybe I could put, Paul, do you know, have a sense of why clean is appearing in all these courses? Uh-huh. Different places, and I, I have a well. I no, well, I don't know. Let me do a few guesses, or, or say a couple of things I think are relevant. But the first thing is, is it seems to be incredibly hard to explain to anyone what clean actually is. So, it, so you, if you, uh, let's say you're a client, you're looking for a, a therapy, which is always hard because, like, well, who do I work with? What kind of thing do I do? There are certain therapies where it's pretty clear what's going to happen. You know, it, it's you go, oh, I'm going to do, um, I don't know, some, like, I know I've got internal parts of me, so I'll look for a parts therapy and I'll go and do like internal family systems or something like that. So, so you find a therapy because the therapy's kind of got a something about it. Or, yeah, I know it's through my body, I'll go and do a somatic thing. Whereas in clean, what we're trying to do is, well, you have the experience you want. So as facilitators, we'll learn, well, how do we work with the body? How do we work with parts? How do we work with symbols? Um, but what you turn up with, I don't know. So if you turn up in the room and bring some parts, we'll be asking clean questions and effectively end up doing parts work. If you come and it's a, you know, all to do with your body and your sensations and things, we'll end up doing very somatic work. Um, and the things that are all blended, yeah, incredibly well blended behind the scenes in clean. So, um, so whereas in another therapy, you'll possibly hit a boundary somewhere because, you know, it's, it's parts, but the person involved doesn't know much somatic stuff. And so you're missing out on a body piece or, um, you're doing some somatic work and someone doesn't know how to work with the metaphors that are coming up. So that won't happen. What we're trying to do. And one of the reasons why we said, you know, there's a lot of training if you want to go very deep into it, it's because you you're learning how to work in all these different ways and um at the foundation because we're trying to clean everything up the only choice we've got is to either work with something that's universal so it's pretty much true for everyone or we can work with something that's that's unique it's true for you and might not be true for anyone else and um i think that that's very unusual but it makes it impossible to explain what the thing is because actually it's an experience because you and even if you come and you go, God, I had an amazing clean session with you know Wendy or with Paul or something or someone else. Um, if you went and explained what that session is, if someone else comes, they might have a very different session because it's co-created. So that's one of the problems of like why, for I guess a general public point of view, you'd understand what clean is or come to it, or even as a practitioner, I think that's something I want to learn. But I think when I guess when someone gets enough of a sense that it's for them, say, comes and does some, just take it on the practitioner side, comes and does some training. And also we're very good at not assuming you're going to be a squeaky clean, pure clean person. We kind of go, okay, you might be, but equally you might go and mix it with, um, we have people who do equine assisted learning, so with horses, um, things like sexological body work. So they're doing lots of body-based practical things um, or you know, with therapy or some other modalities they know. The point is, because actually, because of the way clean strips everything out, it makes it very, very amenable to mixing with other things. 
So you could come and do a very pure, clean session, and that's fantastic. Or what we think practically everyone does, including us, um, is mix it with other things as well. So then I think what's much easier is if someone does that, does some course, goes, hey, that's great. I could put a module into my NLP training. I can put a module into my you know, horse training. That, that's what they then do because they see the value and they think their students should know a bit about it in, the, in that context. Mm. So I think that's how it leaks out into lots of places in that kind of way. Um, I will say there's a risk with this because no one knows what it is. Is I think people do a module and another training and then they sort of think they know what clean is because there is an element to which you know uh, you can do a surface level and it's very, very useful and it is easy at that level. Um, and so we do run the risk of lots of people thinking they know what clean is without coming and kind of doing this core stuff and realizing the depth that's there. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, one of that, maybe how it's happened. I think that's one of the, the, the sort of massive blessings of clean and the great challenges for us as a field as well. No, yeah. that's so helpful. And I did, you know, and what's so wonderful about studying with the two of you and the way you're training, which is weekly, which really works for someone like me because of the idea that I feel like I can build cumulatively, but I have to, and I just watch and also having the chance to watch you, watch you and practice very helpful in the sense of, you know, like anything learning to horse ride or drive or whatever you, 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 you develop and you could get more embodied. And, and like I've seen the two of you, there's humor and there's sweetness and, and, and listening uh, but I must say, you know, obviously it's so tempting, you know, with with, let's say, family members to go. And that's like, what? And what would you what would you like to have happen? And and is there anything else? And they go, are you are you are you doing something? <laughs> so I'm wondering how you how you how do you two obviously as wonderfully in-depth, uh, clean practitioners, use clean in modern parlance that that people don't go are you are you are you are you you speaking in another language for a sec you know what i mean because i have to be quite careful now i'm I'm a bit more modified now but for a while i was going anything else about (laughs) you know what i mean i was using the clean questions with like uh people i knew and they 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 will they can pick up that you do you know what i mean like I'll think because I have used this with partners, children, and so on. Um, so one of the things is remember we said it's about taking all the assumptions and everything else out. So part of the work you do is almost you you end up. It's not like intentionally on the list, but you sort of end up cleaning up yourself, like really starting to know what's my stuff, what's someone else's stuff, what's my intention here. Yeah. For example, so when, when you when you do what you said said I ran into that very early on on my clean training and I think so much of it is in your intention that's right. if your intention is I wish my partner would do something else I know I'll ask a clean question to see if <laughs> I can change them yeah. it's, right, it doesn't it's it's so not, it's so so not right, gonna happen. They go, hang on is there yeah. an agenda here could be yeah very exactly. good very but, good yeah. and in some I'm ways I'm a bit excited with clean somebody would come with something I'd go "Ooh, I could pop some clean here <laughs> And they go, are you doing something? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, am, yeah. I am doing something. Thank you. That's brilliant. Yeah. Have you got yeah. an agenda? Yes. Yeah. 
that's it and i think if they didn't uh, sign up for that yeah no and in a way that your partner is your best ally in learning clean because if you are any agenda they that's are right, so they are so tuned to discover something? it in you yes yeah exactly yeah um but yeah. i would say if, if you can get that out of the way Brilliant. then actually it's in, incredibly helpful because if, if you're in one of those moments like with a partner and you so you that, assuming your relationships at the point where you know there is a lot of you know trust and goodwill to e each other you, you know you're not trying to score points actually at one of those moments where things are really difficult i think it's easier to you've learned to have to hold your own state much better because you have to do that in sessions because what you know people can bring all kinds of difficult things you yeah. might challenge your own beliefs you yeah. have to learn that so when your partner's saying something maybe even it's about you you think it's unfair it's still you've learned in a way to be much better holding your own state and listening to them actually asking a question about it and whether it's a perfectly clean question doesn't really matter the point is you you can do this kind of actually i'm curious i know you're accusing me of something but i wonder what's really going on what really happened here so rather than attacking nice. i can come that's from a nice so yeah so i think that, that's hard skills to learn very but, hard yeah. Yeah, so it's not the clean questions per se. It, it's the journey you go on in learning. The way you're it all. doing it, how yeah. you're doing. It. Yeah. yeah. When yeah, did you want to say something? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's. I think in that sort of situation, it's. It is down to, um, if you have the, if you can get to a point where you have the intention, of, working out what actually your partner's accusing you of or, saying has happened that you don't recognise. Um, <laughs> if your intention is to to find out, which is a kind of you're being curious about what they're saying, trying to make sense of it, then I think it's true that even if the question you ask isn't a completely clean question, it probably will have the right effect. <laughs> Actually, I had a little thing in the other nice thing with clean because we we work on like states a lot. To, if you wanted to learn something like that on the clean you can do it okay and when you know and when your partner is upset and saying something that you don't recognize and you're starting to feel a little you know um irked inside these would all be words someone had said for example so that might be me i've said all those things um yeah what would you like to have happen like well actually i'd like to stay really calm and be able to listen to them and then you could develop the metaphor That's okay so that lovely, what yeah. kind of calm and so we do we do things like that like what are our states when we're facilitating and and because clean can go so deep and the meta and the way metaphors work is um you know, they make what's what's usually very difficult to access and unconscious into a form that you can work with so um you know if you know uh, that you're i'll use my being calm it's not particularly in the relationship thing but you know, for me being calm it's like having um it's like there's a lake and it's perfectly still and it's surrounded by trees. And the reason it's surrounded by trees is because when the wind blows, the trees buffer the wind so it doesn't cause ripples on the surface of the lake. So that's the way I've come to know how I do calm. Mm. So the more I know that, the more I can either just exploring it somehow makes it more real in your system, even without you thinking about it. That makes it a bit more accessible. Um, but also, if you really needed to, you can bring it to mind, you know, in in that moment, uh, which again, you know, you have a typically your body will go along with the metaphor. So you know, you, actually, your nervous system will 
in this case because it's calm you know, i feel my nervous system calm um so we we can very precisely get at desired resourceful states that we might like as facilitators and then we can help clients to do that too and it's that kind of thing you know in um i think some of these you know, conversations with partners because you yeah every, <laughs> you're most sensitive to all your triggers and everything else um so that your ability to step into a really good state in in that situation you know makes can make all the difference and i think what is wonderful about clean is that it's a really i don't know what the right word is it's not just that it's powerful it it's the word essential that we used earlier it's like this very very simple way where you in some sense where someone can just bring out the essence of who they are or what they'd like to be which then means that they can deploy it more however they'd like to it's kind of bring out the essence but bring it out in its sort of tangible form yeah it's kind of actionable i had it um uh when was it last week earlier this week i was um working with a um, participant on a training always good when you can get some free facilitation um, while people are there learning to facilitate um, so um, uh, this participant was facilitating me I'd started out saying I wanted um, to be more focused so she was asking me clean questions and I got to um, a metaphor which was around my body zooming in in the way that a sort of in a way that's analogous with how, how a camera zooms in and and I could feel I could feel a kind of tightening in of my my uh, torso um, so there was a sort of absolute physical reality the whole thing became psychoactive it was like it was happening in the moment in the room um, and uh, and and so obviously I've done what one would do, which is as I've subsequently wanted to be more focused, I've I've kind of thought my way back into my body and got that sense of a tightening that sets me up for being more focused in in what I'm doing in the moment. Um, and that's a far cry from sitting and working conceptually with the notion of being more focused and what are the steps that are needed for me to do that and et cetera, which tends to be how we do stuff. So, um, yeah, this um, this get to the central point to what's what the nub of the thing and um, have it be revealed in in a way that is tangible and that one can bring to bear in real life situations. It's so pretty good deal. It's so divine, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, it's just that, like you said, action tendency, but a real action tendency from from un a lot of people understand their behaviors, but to actually have an embodied the knowledge to have an embodied action tendency through image, metaphor, feeling, sensation, however it works for each person, is is an empowered potential potential for an empowered life that's, that's extraordinary so obviously you're amazing and there's so much more so obviously if you're willing it'd be divine to um 
have another chat and another meet and another subject. And um, so, but this was, a, a, a for me, a lovely starting point. So thank you. But so rich, it, it feels like, ooh, it does feel like the the there's there's uh, branches to to more. So thank you, Paul. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much. So that was Wendy and Paul. Weren't they delightful? Weren't they lovely? So hoping to do some more clean chats with them, perhaps on dating or relating or all kinds of different ways of connecting to the world or to people. Connection is such a big deal. And how do we do it? So I think clean is really, really rather marvellous and um, looking forward to creating more chats. Hope you enjoyed this and hope you enjoy the podcast. Wishing you a lovely day or evening wherever you are. Thanks so much.